Hey, this is Rob. This is episode 120 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right. Here once again with CJ of Now Get Down Coffee Company. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, I have to apologize right off the bat. I lied when I said I had to stop at home to grab a cord. What I was really grabbing was your birthday present. It's your third. It's your thirtieth birthday uh, today. I know you're not a big birthday person, and any sort of attention really makes you upset. So I thought I would upset you even more. And as I was scrolling the, uh, do you scroll in real person? Scrolling the, uh, yeah. uh, strolling the beer aisle at the local liquor store, I said. I could get him a simple barrel-aged stout. I could get him a coffee stout since he's a coffee guy. But that's not CJ. He wants something different. And knowing your love of Pisco Sours, I found this Mezca, I'm sorry, Mezca Limon from Firestone. It's a Mezcal and orange bitters barrel-aged ale brewed with agave nectar, chili, sea salt, and lime peel. And then for something to enjoy, I did go the simple route. I went with the Three Floyds. Barrel H, why don't you show the cop, uh, the camera, that yes. one there. Not used to the camera. Oh, yeah, let's see there. Oh, yeah, that is that? perfection. And then the other one I got him was this Alf, uh, this uh, Three Floyds. I can hardly read what it's called. Crushing Mass Barrel Aged Coffee Stout. Because I Amazing. said we could enjoy this during the podcast today. And this is kind of a fail-safe, risk-free uh, beer to choose because it is a coffee stout. <laughs> Then I realize I only have the one glass that I've used, uh, so I won't. I won't I make that you same use glass that at one. Home, actually. Uh, but uh, you can drink this one straight out of the bottle. Right on. So why don't we crack this? And I say happy birthday. Welcome back to the Folly Coffee Podcast. Thank you. Good to be here, and thank you for the gifts. Much appreciated. I'm really looking forward to this. I've never had a mezcal barrel aged anything. I don't think you don't see those very often. You don't see people like you very often, oh. CJ. Truly Stop one of it. a kind, and that's what today's episode is all about. We are going to, since the last episode, you've gone through some major life changes. I sure have. Uh, both in a career, maybe perhaps a mindset uh, shift on how you're kind of approaching what you're doing. So I wanted to cover, since the last episode, when you were at Spy House to where you are now, mm-hmm. how that's been going. Uh, so let's just, why don't you take it right from there, kind of how it happened. Of You were at Spy House, you're now... Uh, what was your official title at Get Down? Director of Coffee. Director of Coffee at Get Down. So, what was that whole process of uh, well, like? First, the, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Oh man! Oh, that's intense. I like that a lot. I could. They could probably use a year or two of aging, but that is Ooh. that is very good. Mm. My man. So after this, cheers. We're now back. Yes, now we're back. So you're at Spy House. Mm-hmm. You're now director of coffee at Get Down. How did that all go down? You know, it's it's funny because I never had any intention of working for Houston, right? Yeah, and I should mention um, Houston White, owner of Get Down yes. Coffee, previous podcast guest, electric, electric human being. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to sit down with. Houston for any amount of time and not feel inspired to do something right like you know you just you come across a lot of people who are just very passionate about what they do and you don't often come across many people who are that genuine about 
who they are, what they're trying to accomplish, and understanding that like this is the template, this is what I'm doing, and just sticking to that and doing it so well. So I saw, um, you know, I had been following Get Down on Instagram for a while, and I just wanted to reach out and tell them, hey, uh, I love what you're doing. I love that you're trying to bring specialty coffee to everybody, but specifically open the doors to a community of color, uh, a community in North Minneapolis that has been for far too long overlooked and just kind of been on the back burner um, and putting a cafe there that people will not only flood to in the neighborhood, but will become a destination location for everyone in the state which it has. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to reach out and say, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. If there's any way that I can help, whether it's uh, setting you up with a green importer that I trust or helping whoever your roaster is develop a roast profile or working on blends or just cupping, you know, like you and I exchange coffees all the time to be like, what do you think of this? It helps to have another industry professional get get eyes on a product and give you their opinion because that's going to be different from a quality standpoint than a customer, right? So if you're trying to lock in a profile, you want a, you want a quote-unquote educated palate to give it a pass and let you know what they think. So I just, I just loved what he was doing, and I really wanted to see it thrive, um, but no intention of working for him. Um, and we had a meeting, and... Uh, <laughs> they asked if I wanted to work for him. It's like, well, you know, I'm in this, I'm in this weird position. I'm not really quite ready to walk away yet. Um, but I would love to stay in touch. I would still very much love to be a part of your hiring committee. That was kind of where we, where we landed was when we get to a point of putting together a team, we'd love to have you kind of assist us with that process. Um, and then, I had a second meeting with them not all that long after that, a couple months after that, and uh, two days after that was when I put my notice in. (laughs) (laughs) And we were talking about that with Houston. It's it's pretty hard to be in a room with Houston and not leave really excited with whatever you were talking about. The dude is about as genuine as they come, and his Mm -hmm. vision is pretty inspirational. So you decide to take the job. Mm -hmm. What's the next step after that? Because I remember when you told me that, you're like, hey, I'm making a move. I was like, <laughs> didn't you just make a move? You're like, yeah, I'm making another one. And you're like, going to get down. And I'm like, all right, I can see that. I can see that very easily, knowing Houston just from the podcast and talking to him a couple of times. I go, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I haven't really been, well, not for a very long time. I haven't been a part of something that was literally from the ground up. Because at that point, Get Down was still selling coffee online, um, but they didn't have a cafe. They didn't have um, nearly the the plans or infrastructure that we have now and we have since the cafe. So a lot of it in the very beginning was just kind of determining what we want this to be, um, how we want the cafe to be in, in every aspect from, you know, what equipment we're going to put into, what the floors are going to look like. And, you know, anybody who has been to the get down or who knows Houston knows that he is immaculate when it comes to the details. Every tiny little detail that you would never even really think of uh, are, they all come together to make it such an incredible experience. When you walk into the cafe, 
even if you can't put your finger on what it is about this that is so dope, you can just tell that it's different. It, it hasn't been done like this before. Um, so, you know, watching that process through the eyes of someone who has done this many times before, that was really cool too. And it was really cool to just be a part of that and watch how somebody comes up with this idea and then all of the little tiny steps that go into it. And it was crazy because the first, uh, you know, the first month and a half or so we were just, there's so many things to do every day, different meetings, different decisions, uh, you know, uh, what coffees we're going to use for this, how we're going to operate on the launch day, what kind of stuff we're going to put out. You know, it was just, it was a lot. Um, and then grand opening weekend, which was Black Friday, we had <laughs> we had a line out the door and halfway down the block for, you were there, yeah. uh, for about seven hours straight. It was just, and it was not warm out. It was freezing. It was well below freezing. So the fact that people were, willing to stand outside for 40 minutes and then again inside for another 20 minutes that spoke volumes about how how much this was needed and how excited the community was for it so it was uh it was really validating and reassuring on that day even though we were all stressed and overwhelmed it was uh an overwhelmingly positive experience just seeing like tangibly seeing the love that the community was showing back already we yeah. hadn't it was opening day you know and it was freezing but uh we yeah it was it was really cool to just see that whole process from start to finish and now kind of taking it to the next step we haven't been through a summer yet right so we yeah. have no idea what our busy summer volumes are going to look like either but we're we can only imagine yeah. based on how that day was what it's going to be like in patio season um so I know even since the grand opening of the cafe, there are already plans in place for what that building, what the roasting facility is going to be, the future of it. Uh, also, um, can I have you move your mic a little closer to your yep. face there? Not the beer. That's uh, no. <laughs> how you reach for the beer first. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just move that as close to your face as possible. But I know you guys have had plans in place even since the opening of uh a full expansion of because right now you're roasting at dogwood yep is that cool to say yeah. i don't have to edit that out <laughs> no. okay I, I know it's like a pretty like well-known partnership absolutely that, that, uh, dan over at dogwood was a big part of the launching yep. of that and that's where you're roasting currently and i know you have plans in place to be roasting in your own space mm -hmm. can you kind of divulge any details on what's happening with that where you're going to be roasting what that situation is going to be like kind of how the setup is going to be in relation to the cafe that uh, is now open yeah so um Right now, we're in the process of building a roastery out that is going to be the roastery before the one that's going to be next to the cafe. So it's kind of a two-step process. The first step is getting into our own roastery, which we will um, successfully do this year, uh, this spring. So that's the big push that we're making right now. And then in the, uh, the long-term goal is the cafe will be the whole building will be expanded and then we will have the roasting facility actually on site so that is kind of the interactive piece of it all so we want to be able to have customers be able to see the roasting being done and make that a really big emphasis point for education and access to that information because uh 
one of the one of the things that I love so much about this job is it gives me the ability to do classes and do you know outreach with the community mm-hmm. in terms of coffee education because when I started that was not a thing not for me it was really difficult for me to get any information from anybody about coffee and it was discouraging at times uh you know when I had been roasting for two years and I wanted to do tastings or do cuppings or do anything with other coffee professionals just to develop my own skill set uh I was turned away the doors were closed on me it was just like nah we don't really want to do that you know it was being gate kept yeah, it's that it's that whole coffee community thing where it's like oh no we we all have a secret yeah these are we, my secrets th- i have secrets about yep. roasting that you're my competition no one else has these secrets about roasting i figured out something about roasting that right. no one else has and if they taste it or see what we're doing or ask questions they might figure it out so we totally can't cut together exactly because then all of a sudden we would lose our entire thing and you're like Okay, all right. I, you know, that's the Starbucks model that, like, oh, we have the perfect roast profile mm-hmm. for all coffees, and you're like, that statement in itself is so <laughs> stupid. And so to be in that position of, like, I mean, that's why when I moved back, I was like, hey, let's all let's all hang out. Like, yeah. this is cool. Like, and, the, the, and it's ironic we're drinking this right now because it's like the craft beer community is really good at that, mm-hmm. that you see – constant collaborations you see constant like sharing of information that you go the understanding that if we can all share our best practices together and the quality and the perception of what we're doing is increased then the entire industry is going to increase whereas if we are viewing ourselves as competition as like the high end of the Mm -hmm. coffee category that if we're viewing ourselves as competition then essentially we are slowing uh, we are slowing the progression of the entire quality of the category absolutely and then we are like decreasing the chances that if someone if it's their first time of trying a specialty coffee that they're going to be like, I don't see the big deal. Right. I'm just going to stick to my Starbucks. I'm going to stick to my Caribou. And so for me, it's like the the most we can help each other do whatever, we're, whether it's the roasting itself, branding, packaging, like best practices, distribution, like anything I, that I can share. Hopefully I've been this way since I've started. Is like anything I've learned, I just share. Yeah. Because I go, I want everybody with a style of coffee to be able to get it to as many people as possible. Right. Uh, but it... it I had that experience, too, when I first came back, and then I was just, like, constant knocking on doors, like, no, I really want to do this. Or, yeah. hey, you come over here. Let's taste coffee. Let's do this. Let's do that. Did that experience change for you? You said at two years of roasting that you were trying to, like, get in on cuppings or invite people to cuppings, whatever it may be. Did that experience eventually change as you were in the industry longer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. Um, I've always been, you know me, I've always been hungry. I've always wanted more. I've always wanted more from myself. I've always wanted to learn more, and I've always wanted to do more. Uh, so I I took every opportunity I ever got, and I made the absolute most of it. And I found the value very early on of networking. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to use their the longevity of their employment as a measure of status. Right. Mm -hmm. And it certainly can be. But if all you know 
is this one vein, right? Uh, it's hard to really, really be able to say that you're in touch with the industry when all you know is this one thing. You don't let anybody in. You don't network with anybody. You don't go to expos. You don't go to. You don't do anything. You just stay here, and that's your thing. And you'll still have your customers that are loyal to you because you may still put out a really good product, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. The industry is bigger than all of us. And I made the most out of every every expo I ever went to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't have business cards when I was only two years into this because, you know, what, what did I know? I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Uh, so I remember when I would go to all these, like, even the local events, like when we went to Minerosta mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, um, <laughs> the night before I would take a, take a piece of, printer paper and I would make my own like my name and my number and my email and I would just cut up like 25 of those mm-hmm. and I would just slip them to people you know uh so eventually after doing this for so long and doing it well uh I made myself big enough in this industry that I couldn't be ignored you know and because of that Fierce. I'm just saying Fierce. I'm just saying because of <laughs> That's that my dude. <laughs> <laughs> the opportunities started coming after that yeah. tenfold well and that and that's what it is it's like it's it's impossible to deny hard work mm-hmm. it's impossible to deny it when someone is like this phrase has become played out but like if you're grinding if you're on the grind like if people see that at the very least there's going to be a tipping point where they start to respect it mm-hmm. and when you're really early in your career or for me it's like really early in the business people are going to be like he's working for nothing like he's it's a hopeless like it's a, a it's a lost cause it's hopeless it's nearly impossible what they're trying to do you know 80% of small businesses fail or with your career always oh, trying to be a director of coffee like he's 2 years in and he thinks he's going to get this at any near uh, point in the future when there's mm-hmm. so many people that are longer tenured there is a certain tipping point where you go hard work can't be denied and it's never the person that's doing the work that's the one telling you that right. they're doing the work exactly. it's when it's the people in the room around them going like that guy or that whoever Mm -hmm. that person is working their ass off and that's where you start to see that tipping point where you go that's where it becomes undeniable and uh i know i've referenced this in the past have i told this to you the david goggins stealing souls (laughs) (laughs) if you're a friend of mine you've probably heard this story uh i like the extremes of humanity not necessarily for myself. I don't think it's a super healthy, uh, healthy way to live, but the extremes of humanity, I mean by like people who are doing the extremes of whatever they're doing. And there's this guy, David Goggins, and he is arguably maybe the toughest person in the world. He has this theory about stealing souls. He was in uh, the Navy SEALs. He was going through the training. He was getting yelled at by his instructor as they're having to lift a canoe above their head as a team and then he changed the mindset of, oh, you can't stop me. And so he started lifting it above his head, getting excited, singing, yelling. And he goes, I look into the eyes of the Navy SEAL instructor, and I saw I stole his soul. <laughs> now, that's a bit extreme. But I think what he meant by that was that once you realize you can't break someone, once you realize that their work ethic, their whatever they're doing, if you can't stop them in their endeavor – then they're going to stop trying. Mm-hmm. And that's like what that meant to me. But absolutely. it's like, you're the type of guy that I look at and I go, absolutely. Like your reputation and just what you've done and what you're doing, 
you go, oh, he's just not going to stop. And it takes, unfortunately, a good amount of time for people to realize that, yeah. that the things you're saying are not just like total BS. That's like, no, if I say I'm going to do this, I'm going to work until it's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I CJ o- out here stealing <laughs> souls, baby. No, and I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> what I love so much about coffee, too, is how much it changes. And that's why I've I've resonated with this industry and this community so much. Because when you go to the expos, SCA mm. or whatever, every year, there are always lectures on the, the impact of climate change and the impact of new processing methods. Because the consumers definitely drive uh, what the farmers at Origin are going to put out if people are buying more naturals they are going to produce more naturals if people are buying more geishas then the farmers are going to start growing and harvesting and producing more geishas so looking at those those lectures every year is super interesting to me because I'm like you see the humanity in every facet of this industry the, from from the farmers at origin to the consumers all across the world it all connects in an unseen way um so what i really like about coffee is you can never truly 100 percent master it because it yeah. will change next year the practices will change the processes will change the purchasing will change the prices will change mm-hmm. so uh because I always look for the next thing to do, the le- the next thing to learn, the next thing to try, this industry has kept me on my toes. Mm. And it, I never feel stagnant because there's always something to do or to look forward to or to reflect on and try to change for the next year or whatever. So that's another thing that I really like about this business is it's always changing. And that that variable has kept me forever engaged and I, I think it's the layers of this industry that i've had I, I have and have had a lot of like fleeting obsessions where it's like usually a few months or six months of intensely learning about something being like boy i'm really interested in this then after six months you go all right i'm good and coffee was kind of the first thing that just captured it and it just kept going mm-hmm. every time every six months you feel like, oh, I, I kind of get it now. And then you learn a new aspect of the industry. And it's just such a multi-layered thing that it's impossible once you have a great cup of coffee, if you're truly curious about it, to not go down that rabbit hole of like, why does it taste like right. this? And if you ever have the question of why does it taste like this, there's no answer. It's endless. And it's constantly changing year over year. Why does this roaster have great coffee? Why is this specific cup great? Why does this farm have awesome coffee? Why does this farm have two different cups of coffee from different roasters? One I liked, one I didn't like. And it's just, you can start to see how it like builds upon itself of there's no end in sight Mm -hmm. as to like mastering it, like you said. So I want to do a bit of a change here. Okay. A shift in the episode, if you will, Uh, kind of back to our last episode that we did where we're going to play a little game. And it's called, Is It Coffee? (laughs) The premise of this game is someone comes up to you and says, I'm a coffee drinker. And they say, I only drink blank drink. Okay. Is it a coffee? Are they a coffee drinker? Wait, so is it it a coffee or is it, are they a coffee drinker? Because on a 
technical standpoint, I think those are two very different things. Coffee drinker. Okay. Because is it a coffee literally means is there yes, a coffee, coffee in, in it? it? And yeah, I was going to probably say. change it. But, like, that's why I phrase it like <laughs> okay. that because that's the thing is you go, like, it has coffee yeah. in it. So are they a coffee drinker? Gotcha. We just changed it to this game is called are they a coffee drinker? <laughs> so the premise is someone comes up to you and says, I drink coffee every day. And, they, and you go, oh, what do you like? And they say, I only drink this every day. So very quickly, I'm going to run through, and you're going to say yes or no. Yes, they are a coffee drinker, or just no, they are not. Just yes you got it. or no. We're going to go rapid fire, yes or no, okay. and then we're going to go back real quick. And then I've got one last, uh, one last game, and that will be the episode. So I believe I have eight here, rapid fire. All right. Are you ready? Again, the premise is someone says, I drink blank. Are they a coffee drinker? Frappuccino. No. Flavored latte like vanilla or mocha. Yes. Latte. Yes. Cortado. Yes. Macchiato. Yes. Coffee with a lot of milk and sugar. No. Espresso. Yes. Black coffee. Yes. All right. The line was set a little higher than I thought. Frappuccino, explain yourself. You said no. If someone says, I go to Starbucks every single Mm -hmm. morning and I get a Frappuccino, Mm -hmm. I'm a coffee drinker. And you're like, no. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's because it's basically a milkshake. (laughs) You you don't taste the coffee. And the same people that drink, if you're drinking a milkshake every day, (laughs) you're getting as much energy from the sugar as you are from the coffee. And if you were to drink a black cup of coffee, you would be repulsed. More likely than not. So I would have to say hard no on that. If you told someone, I want you to wake up every single morning, have a milkshake. Slam a milkshake. And then follow it with a shot of espresso. How will you feel? They'd be like, I would feel awful. And yet there are people out there they that go it. to Starbucks every they morning. Get a th- what is it? A 30 ounce? Frappuccino. Wow. Which is a milkshake with a shot, of, a shot of espresso with it, and it's they like go. It's like a 980 calorie milkshake. Great way to start my day. <laughs> Flavored latte, like vanilla latte or mocha. You said yes. Yes, I did. Uh, just from my personal experience, I've seen a lot of people who really do enjoy espresso, but also really do enjoy sugar. Stop! You're breaking the rules of the game. In this scenario, the drinker said, I exclusively drink this. Right. So if you offered them a shot of espresso, they would say, no, I don't like that. I only like like vanilla or mocha. Let let me finish. All right. All right. Let me finish. Can I finish? Is that okay with you? It's fine. I don't even care. Go ahead. So because of that, if what I'm using as a reference is our cafe, where Mm -hmm. we have people who come in every day and drink or a caramel latte or whatever. But our cafe and a lot of specialty coffee cafes that I know of don't use seven gallons of caramel or chocolate. It's subtle. So I'm going to go ahead and say yes to give a little breathing room mm. for that because you the espresso is still at center stage in our drink and in a lot of drinks at a lot of specialty coffee shops that offer mochas. Now, if it was like a like a Starbucks mocha, then I would say that's a little bit different because Chocolate I've tasted milk. I'm saying. <laughs> but across the board as a whole, 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little more lenient on that one, and I'm gonna say yes because there are people who do really like the flavor of coffee, but also really like the flavor of yeah. chocolate and caramel. And so, flavored latte that's executed well, yes, balanced, yes. not just make it as sweet as possible. Correct. I'm gonna assume your reasoning on latte, cortado, macchiato, traditional macchiato. That's see, we were in the rapid fire, so I wasn't gonna ask that not question. That but we yeah. both know I'm not okay. talking about basically a frappuccino, a milkshake, same, same exact caramel thing. milkshake, macchiato in the traditional sense. It's espresso with a dollop of milk. Mm-hmm. Cortado is it three and a half ounces? I think so. Uh, it's a three and a half beverage espresso with milk, and then latte, which I think is ten ounces. It's been a long time since I've been behind the bar. Tennis. I think it's usually twelve, isn't it? Ten to Maybe twelve. It's 10. Cappuccino, like eight to ten, something like that. Uh, I assume your reasoning for those are all pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> On your reasoning, I, I could, here. Let me tell you your reasoning. As you go, it's only espresso <laughs> and milk. Yeah. Milk has very mild flavors, mm-hmm. so really the pro- predominant flavors you're tasting are the espresso. Yeah. And slightly caramelized milk, which is maybe going to add a little sweetness. Right. All right. But if you're drinking that every day and that's your go-to drink, then you do like coffee. You do enjoy the flavor of coffee. You do enjoy the experience of drinking coffee. I think that is fair. I think that is fair. I said coffee with lots of milk and sugar, and you said no. If... Every day you are drinking a coffee with a ton of milk and sugar. You are not a coffee drinker. Yeah. Go ahead. You are doing everything in your power to mask the flavor of that coffee. (laughs) So you are using it solely as a vessel for caffeine Mm. and not enjoying the flavor by diluting it as much as possible with milk and as much as possible with sugar. You want to taste a sugary, sweet beverage that's creamy you have no interest in the coffee so you're just you're just beating the hell out of that coffee with masking agents but you want the you want the pep from it you want the buzz from it so and when you think of two ingredients that could possibly make you feel worse to start the day like literally like if someone was like how bad do you want to feel when you wake up uh what two things would you just like pound right away i'd be like i don't know like a tall glass of whole milk and just, like, maybe some sugar in that. Yeah. That'd be a great way to start See, my day. this is what I always tell people, too. I'm like, if you think about, okay, you wake up, you're in a little bit of a fog, you go downstairs, you open the jug of milk, you pour three quarters of a pint glass in there, and then you take four spoonfuls of sugar and mix it up. Are you going to slam that? <laughs> Are you going to sit there and casually sip that? Because that's essentially what you're doing. Dude, you don't like a good sugar milk in the morning? <laughs> I don't drink milk. So uh, no sugar milk's my jam. <laughs> That's how I get past two p.m. And I'm not a big sugar guy either. So Me all either. of that has just never been. Yeah, man, it's it's weird to me when I see people just you know again. Enjoy coffee however you need to enjoy yeah. coffee. That's that's ultimately what it's all about. And I I hate to to contribute to making anyone feel like their method of caffeination is not valid because it is. It's just not my thing. And you got to be real. Like, if you are drinking a Frappuccino, you don't like coffee. You like the the very tiny back-end taste of the espresso with the milk and sugar and caramel and whipped cream and all that other shit. And it's uh, my gut instinct when I see someone using a lot of cream and sugar 
is just that you've probably only drank bad coffee your entire mm-hmm. life because that's like what that is is like the traditional Folgers style gas station style coffee is super dark roasted super bitter how do you counteract bitterness it's you cut sweet, it with cream yeah fat yep. and sugar so it's like you've got sweetness and that umami that's like mm-hmm. a great way to cut bitterness like the two best ways so just put however much it takes of that until this coffee isn't bitter anymore uh the the more bitter a coffee is the more you need so when i see someone using a lot i go you've probably never had a good cup and then the ironic thing is that when someone like that they go i take my coffee with three sugars two creams three creams whatever it is and they put it into a good coffee they go this coffee is super weak Yep. The reason it seems weak is because this coffee isn't bitter, and the mm-hmm. things you're putting in there are just masking all the great flavors. Yep. And that's why the whole thing, you want to go into a great shop, they go, hey, just take a sip before you put that in there. Yep. It sometimes can come across, uh, depending on how it's delivered or depending on the person, that's like, oh, don't tell me how to drink my coffee. But it's like, no, it's just because you probably, if you're doing that, have never had an actual good cup of coffee. Right. And that, real quick, that brings us back to the whole education piece of mm. it. Because you just want people, I just want people to understand that. And I want to be the one to be able to tell them that without making them feel stupid. Yeah. Because that's never the idea. But the the education piece of it is so key for that reason. There's a reason we do things this way. There's a reason we prepare coffee this way. There's a reason we don't automatically add sugar and cream and all this stuff to it so try it as it is and if it's still not your thing totally fine go ahead and prepare it however you like but just so that we can have that moment of interaction so that you understand that this is why i'm so proud of this beverage and then enjoy it however you need to enjoy it because you are a paying customer i want you to enjoy your beverage however you enjoy it but and it's it's the shift of the mindset from someone taking uh someone saying i'll take a coffee yeah and shifting it to which coffee do you have? Yes. Someone goes, do you want a coffee? My immediate response is, which coffee are we talking about? This was like in the 19, I believe it was the early 1970s with beer. There was literally, so this was during the height of the industrial, like, uh, excitement behind big brands. It was kind of the first time in America that there was nationwide distribution happening. And so America had a ton of pride in national brands. You can kind of see the flip side of the coin now. Mm -hmm. It's like the opposite. But it got to the point where uh, commoditization became so popular that you could go to a grocery store and pick up a six-pack of beer. You're like, what kind of beer? It's just a white can that says beer. And so there was a point in American history where somebody was like, hey, grab me some beer. And you wouldn't ask which beer. I view coffee the same way. Right now, or especially like 10, 15 years ago, if someone said, grab me a coffee, most people aren't going to say which coffee or like what style, whatever. I think it's going to get to a point where somebody says, can you grab me a coffee? Or like, what are you pouring? What do you have? Which coffee do you have? In the similar way that craft beers happen. Yeah. That now you would never go to a bar and be like, I'll take a beer. Right. And the bartender would just be like, okay. Or just someone's going to the liquor store. Just grab me beer. <laughs> it's always, like, which beer do you want? And I want coffee to get to that way, and I really think it will. I think it will, too. Uh, espresso and black coffee. I don't think those require a ton of uh, no. explanation. Those are literally so just coffee. It's just coffee. But you I, like those, you like coffee. I threw those out there in case you want to do a hot take. I also am not a big fan of espresso, personally, which, That's because you, know. you don't appreciate, like, beauty, greatness, uh, the 
strong, exciting things about life. No, I don't. Happiness. I don't. Joy. No. Yeah, this, that's just why. That's I self-explanatory. That's why I like espresso. It's fine. Quick round to go back to our first episode of overrated, underrated. Okay. Or are we doing or appropriately rated or just over or under? Good call. Let me type in, even though this is totally <laughs> unnecessary because I'm going to delete this file right after this episode is over. Overrated, underrated, appropriately rated. Don't worry. It's rapid fire. I'm not going to do the buttons. <laughs> but we're going to go back to each one, and I'm going to get engaged in this conversation because this one I think is good. Overrated, underrated, appropriately rated. Dark roast. Overrated. Underrated. Light roast. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, underrated. Appropriately rated. Espresso. Guy. Overrated. Underrated. <clears throat> Oat milk. Overrated. Overrated. Regular milk. Overrated. Appropriately rated. Hmm. We'll talk on that one. Mm-hmm. Cold brew. Underrated. Underrated. All right. Dark roast. You said overrated. overrated. And I said underrated. Mm-hmm. Why don't you start on this one? <laughs> the analogy I always use with dark roast. And first, we'll just say that dark roast is a spectrum, right? Because one person's dark roast is another person's medium roast this is, is some people's light roast. This is so going to come into play. <laughs> that, that term bothers me just for that reason. There's no specific temperature that it's tied to, right? It's just mm. a matter of perception. So, for example, our house, quote unquote, dark roast, we label as a darker roast. Mm. And if you put that up against most people's dark roast or even medium roast, it'll still be at the same level. So when someone is like dark roast and it's the oily black sweaty French, bean Italian that I cannot just I I can't do it. Mm. And the analogy I always use with that is steak. If you are going to get a nice cut of Wagyu beef, are you going to get it well done? And if you do, you're probably going to be asked to leave. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's from from being in my position in coffee, having traveled to origin, meeting all these farmers, holding coffee in Peru, and then flying back to Minnesota and months later holding that same coffee processed in my hands, knowing that I'm basically going to burn the hell out of it and put it in a bag and have somebody add cream and sugar to it, it seems blasphemous mm. to me personally. That's my take, but this is a fair Why take. Why do you say underrated? I will slightly amend my argument here. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go... Underrated is dark roast on the third wave style of coffee standard. So I'm talking right around second crack. Uh, Overrated by far is the dark, black, oily, Italian roast, French roast. Definitely overrated. That's where it's just pure bitter. uh, And you could roast any coffee of any quality. It's all going to taste the same. Uh, Pretty much based on the same argument you said uh, but the reason I think a dark ur roast is under, is, so I think I'll amend my argument with that, is that a dark ur roast, like you said, is underrated. And that I would agree with. I, I think a darker roast is underappreciated because on the lighter end of the spectrum, you're getting only like one side of the flavor profile of the potential of that coffee. 
I think with a darker roast, you can bring out flavors that would not be present in a coffee mm-hmm. with just like right after first crack. And there's certain coffees that work really well right around second crack Definitely. and actually taste the best around second crack. So that's my argument for that. Um, but you definitely swung my, <laughs> I suppose. Just when I hear the term dark roast, I suppose, what I assume and yeah. picture in my head is that sweaty, oily, dark black bean. And I, I to suppose, me, that needs to go away. Uh, that would really just bring into more the argument of like, what is a light roast? Mm-hmm. What is a dark roast? Medium. Because right. like, if you take a Starbucks medium roast, any third wave style roaster is going to be like, that is too dark. Dark, darker <laughs> than we would yeah. ever go on any coffee because yep. you're not going to be able to taste it. And even their blonde roast, their light roast, you're like... Still most people's medium at you're best. You're like, at best. Yeah. You're like, I could possibly pass this as a dark roast to some customers based mm-hmm. on what they're doing. Uh, light roast. I believe you said underrated, mm-hmm. and I said appropriately rated. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say appropriately rated because of my world. My world, it is appropriately rated. Maybe in the the grand scheme of things, in the entire industry, it is underrated. I don't think a lot of people know about it, but I'm talking about my perspective on Light Roast right now within the specialty coffee community. My argument already has major holes in it because there's way more people outside of that community. But kind of goes back to what I was saying about Dark Roast. I think a lot of third wave style roasters are roasting too light. I don't think they're looking for balance in their cups of coffee. They're looking for the most unique flavor out of each coffee that when you take that first sip, you go, whoa, I've never had anything like this. By the middle of the cup, you're like, I don't want the rest of it because it is so weird or citric or high acid or funky or whatever it may be. That would be my big argument for light roast that I think like a cup that is enjoyable from start to finish is balanced, has sweetness, some acidity, but everything's in balance and nothing is sticking out of proportion. I think that is, in my opinion, the best cup of coffee you can have. Mm -hmm. It's all about balance. And the reason I say underrated is taking the, the mass, the mass perspective, right? When a lot of people who are dark roast drinkers hear the term light roast, they automatically say no, because I drink dark roast. I don't like light roast. Again, it's a spectrum. And there are a ton of complex flavors that are essentially roasted out by the time it gets to a quote-unquote dark roast Mm. that you aren't even willing to try because it's not what you drink, right? And you take one sip of one person's light roast and decide, ah, it's too bitter, it's too acidic, it's too whatever. All of these terms mean different things to different people. Even within the industry, they mean different things to different people. So... I think I I have to say underrated because there are a lot of coffees that a lot of people won't even get the opportunity to explore because they have this this notion about light roast being undrinkable in their heads. Um, and if, I mean, if you look at specialty coffee as a whole, there's a reason why lighter roasted coffees are the things that we put at the front of our offerings all the time it's because we want to highlight the complexities within these individual coffees we don't want them to taste like carbon we want them to taste like the unique product that we ended up 
falling in love with as a sample and bringing in to offer to the public. We want you to taste that. We don't want you to taste the burnt char of the inside of the coffee drum. We want you to taste this coffee. So that's why I say underrated because I think that a lot of people aren't allowing themselves to experience that by closing the door. And it, so it sounds like once again we're kind of in the same area just starting with a different set point of what yeah. a dark and a light is. Yep. This is a great debate where you both argue and end up at the same point but somehow didn't agree. It's really well set up, Rob. Nice job. Uh, next topic, overrated, <laughs> underrated, appropriately rated, espresso. I said underrated. What did you say? I think I said overrated. You definitely said overrated. Yeah. Again, I just, I'm not a, I'm not a big I'll fan. take it. Let me take the first argument here. You looked at me and you didn't say anything, so I was expecting you to just... Espresso. Is it a bean? Okay, is you, it? You got to get a capture of that mm. that still right there with you in that corduroy coat and that turtleneck right. saying that exact thing. All right, Folly Coffee you Podcast. You need to send that to me too. Folly Coffee Podcast. Espresso. Is it a? Is it a bean? Is it a style of roast? Is it a machine? Is it a preparation of a drink, or is it the final drink itself? It's a trick question. It's all of those. To truly get a great shot of espresso, it requires perfection Mm -hmm. at every step Mm. of the way. The growing, the picking, the processing, the drying, the packing, the shipping, arriving to the roaster, the roasting, getting to the cafe, the barista being skilled enough to dial in the grinder, the espresso machine, having the best machinery possible to be able to prepare this and serving it into a one and a half ounce beverage. Highly concentrated, over nine bars of pressure. What is nine bars of pressure? Nobody really knows. (laughs) Bars is a totally made up thing of pressure. Ask anybody. I've asked so many people in coffee, what is nine bars of pressure? No one knows, but that's how many bars of pressure it takes, which apparently is a lot of pressure. So you take nine bars of pressure and take finely ground coffee grounds dialed in for the exact weight of the coffee, of the water, pushing it through this high-pressure situation into a small glass. What happens through this concentration is any potential flaw is exposed because if there is any off flavor in that coffee, it is going to be exposed because of the high concentration. Now, here's the tricky part is it's nearly impossible to identify where exactly that flaw came Mm -hmm. from. Was it the barista at the finish line, messed up the grind size, messed up the pour, messed up the dialing of the coffee at the beginning of the day? Was it the roaster? Did they mess up that batch of coffee? Was their profile off? Did they only taste it as batch brew? Did they only cup it but never try it as espresso? Does it go back to the shipping? Was there something about this batch going on a ship across the ocean that it caused it to sour? Are the Grain Pro bags, maybe for this one bag, did that leak? Was it not properly dried? If it wasn't dried down below 15% moisture, then that coffee is going to spoil and have off flavors in the end thing. Was it not picked properly? Were uh, were underripe or overripe beans included into that? And then, of course, the growing. For an espresso to be truly, truly enjoyable, all of these steps have to go into it. I think straight black coffee, some of these can be avoided. 
some of these small, small mistakes. Call them mistakes. Call them what you want. Some of these small flaws are not noticed in a cup of black coffee because of the high proportion of water and lack of pressure. And this is why espresso is the truest expression of coffee that one can possibly create. Underrated. You said you weren't doing the sounds. <laughs> Liar. Liar. Well, not doing the sounds that I made. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, anyway, you said uh, overrated. Go ahead. It's fine. <laughs> on my birthday? You going to do that to me on my birthday? That's wild, man. Mm. Anyways. Give me, no, give me a second. Oh, no, give him a second. Happy birthday. Thanks, Thanks. Go ahead. Uh, Espresso uh, as being overrated. Go ahead. I mean, I don't have a five-minute spiel about it. (laughs) It's just never been something that I have really, truly, thoroughly enjoyed. To me, it's too much for too little. That's my Mm. personal take, and I always preface this whenever anybody asks me about espresso by saying I am one of the only coffee people in the industry that will tell you this, but I dislike espresso. And you have to understand, I drink an average of six to eight cups of coffee per day, sometimes ten. You know, it's it's a lot. And I enjoy the flavor of coffee, but when it's concentrated like that, for me, it's just different. And it's not appealing to me, personally. And when I see it thrown into a whole bunch of different things it kind of starts to detract from its importance mm. to me. When I see somebody getting like, okay, I'm going to get three shots of espresso, and then I'm going to get six pumps of caramel, and then I'm going to get this, that, and the other, it's like, okay. You know, it, so, so again, we're not drinking the coffee. But also, there's a placebo effect with espresso that a lot of people aren't aware of. It's much less caffeinated than a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. It's concentrated, so your brain tells you, ooh, that really concentrated punch of a flavor, that's a lot of a lot of caffeine going into your system. It's not. It's really not. You fill up a 12-ounce cup with espresso, you have about the same, if not a little bit less, caffeine than drip coffee on average. You're saying 12 ounces of straight-up espresso? I'm saying uh, a twelve. So, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. You're yes. saying a shot of espresso versus a double like shot, a double which is, shot, yeah, yeah. double shot of espresso yep. versus a twelve. I thought you were saying twelve no, ounces no, no, of espresso. I was no. like, I'm gonna have like to push a couple, back. Couple shots, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, a double and shot people, versus a people get two cup. double shots and they're like, I'm wired. Yeah, like, well, like it's a cup and a half of coffee. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so that's the only grievance that I really have with espresso. Let me continue on my underrated argument here. Uh, just gonna piggyback off your uh, your argument here. Without espresso, do you think coffee would be nearly as popular in America than it is now? And as a coffee roasting business, would either of us have nearly as big of an opportunity to grow if it weren't for espresso? Because the two biggest things growing the coffee industry right now are cold brew, which is on this list we have here. We're just going to blow out whatever time we decide to go to today. Uh, And espresso milk drinks, both iced and hot. 
with espresso drinks being such a large percentage of the coffee industry, if it weren't for those drinks, I wonder how many people start with lattes, start with whatever, frappuccinos, Mm -hmm. decide, hey, health benefits, I'm going to start to kind of slink away from this, makes them want to have better coffee. So in a weird way, the thing that irritates you about these multiple pumps, as people progress, they go, hey, I actually, maybe if I do less of this, I'll find something I like, and then they start to actually want to find good coffee. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, if someone is only a, an espresso milk drinker, there's not a ton of reason to go from a Starbucks to a great shop because if you're getting heavily flavored things, the difference is going to be negligible for the price point or right. convenience of where you're going to go. Um, I'm just going to end it there. Let the viewers decide. You don't give me a rebuttal on that one. You want a rebuttal? I never, I never denied overrated, underrated, appropriately rated. <laughs> Oat milk, way overrated. Overrated. Way what overrated. is the deal? Way overrated. What is the deal with oat milk? Like, I'm sorry. the The watery stuff at the be- the bottom of my oatmeal is now the most popular, right. like growing it's a uh, thing that milk you can't even buy anymore because it's sold out everywhere. What happened with this? I thought being like low carb and everything was the big deal. And wait, does oats have a lot of carbs? What is even oat milk? What is even a carb? That's a you know what is time? But a flat circle <laughs> that we're stuck to because of how we perceive reality right oat milk overrated underrated appropriated regular milk i say overrated again i speak from my personal experience i don't drink milk and if someone were to hand me a glass of milk and say drink this without gagging i couldn't i don't even think i could take a sip without gagging i find milk repulsive me personally i can't do it is it the texture the taste or the fact that it came out of a, a cow boob (laughs) <laughs> I think it's just the taste. I I never really even drank milk as a kid. So The cool thing about milk is at its finest, it doesn't have taste. And then if it's even slightly bad, it has a really awful taste. Uh, and I love ice cream. So I've, I eat dairy. I eat cheese. I've been told that if you're a guy that just drinks a tall glass of milk, that's a major red flag in the dating pool. So good to this, know. this might be a good thing for good you. Good to know. Um, I think I said underrated, but it was mostly just because I wanted to argue with you. But actually, now that I'm reading regular milk, I'm like, I'm good. Um, <laughs> and then also, the big thing of like anything beyond, like I'd say anything above a 12-ounce latte. So if you're doing regular milk in a latte, there are there are good arguments for why regular milk is great for lattes. Because like it's got the natural sugars mm-hmm. that caramelize really nicely for a latte and the flavor I think is the best out of any of the, like, it's better than alternative milks. The alternative milks that tend to taste better are probably loaded with sugar. So you're going, oh, this tastes great. And you're like, yeah, in the same way that like a sugar milk tastes great. I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. I'm like, if you look at the ingredients and you see all the gum and all the sugar and stuff in this alternative milk, I'm like. If you did a blind taste test and just said objectively which of these taste best, you're going to pick the one with all the stuff added into it. This, the raw stuff does not taste that great. It doesn't foam that great. It doesn't steam that great, all that stuff. So I think the strongest argument for milk in terms of like a latte is that it does steam very nicely. Uh, the caramelization of the sugars comes very naturally, uh, and it's not like it's added sugar like the alternative milks. 
so in the context of lattes, maybe I'll stick with appropriately rated at the most, but like if we're talking just straight up regular milk, I think I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Last one, cold brew. We both went underrated. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you start on this one. Cold brew has always had a special place in my heart uh, from the bean factory patio to literally every coffee business I've ever worked in. Uh, and what I really love so much about it is it's super easy to make at home. Mm. And when you start start doing that, you really understand what cold brew is and uh, how much less acidity it produces in the final product. So you can drink two, three glasses of cold brew and your stomach feels way less upset than it would if you drank two, three glasses of hot brew coffee for that reason. And I know a lot of people that have some pretty serious digestive issues and they can't drink hot coffee, but they love it. So I've always, whenever somebody I know tells me that, like I had to quit coffee because it was messing up my stomach, it's like try cold brew and see if one cup upsets you. And a lot of them are mm. totally fine for that reason because it's much less harsh on your system, but it's also substantially more caffeinated. It's got much more of a punch yeah. because it's been steeping for 24 hours in water. And it's just, it adds a whole nother layer of complexity to the coffee because you're not getting a lot of those bright, citrusy, flowery, fruity notes, but you're getting a lot more of those chocolatey, sweet, caramely, hazelnut kind of notes. Uh, so two two coffees, one brewed hot, one cold brewed. You see two very different flavor profiles, and that's why I love I love cold brew so much. And cold brew is one of those things where it's the first co- one of the first coffee beverages where you notice most people drink it with less cream and yeah. sugar. Yep, because it's more naturally sweet. Mm-hmm. People find that you don't require as much cream and sugar. When there's less cream and sugar, you're actually tasting the flavor of the coffee. Yeah. Then you start to notice, oh, the cold brew I grabbed here was a little different than the cold brew. Well, I like this place's cold brew a lot more, and I like this place's even more than that. And then you start to think, well, why do I like this place? With espresso, with hot coffee, when you go to places and it tastes really good, I think a lot of people go, I just like the way they make it here. Because cold brew is so simple, I think it changes the mindset of the customer that it's like, oh, it must be their coffee here is really good. Versus someone grabs a bag of beans, goes home, tries to brew it hot, or tries to make espresso, and they go, it must just be the cafe. They just make good coffee. It's not the beans. Whereas with cold brew, you can tell someone, grind it, put it in a jar, cheesecloth, done. Cut it with water if it's too strong. That's it. And it's so hard to mess up that people start to notice the difference in quality of coffee as they're Mm -hmm. going and tasting different cold brews. And I find that people tend to have like much more strong opinions about which place to go for cold brew versus which place to go for a latte. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Because like as long as you have milk and the coffee isn't absolutely atrocious, you can make a decent latte and the flavors are like unless you have a super trained palate are, you know, a little bit of difference and you're probably doing some vanilla probably doing some chocolate in there versus cold brew you're going to go as close to black as possible which is like ideal if you're trying to get someone to actually understand that coffee is not just one thing yeah going back to the point of like i'll take a beer right the first question is always which beer you say i'll take a coffee no one ever like offers the information of this is what the coffee is 
So take that uh, for what you want. That was the last one on the list. Uh, let's see here. We've been going for, look at that, 59 minutes and uh, 20 seconds. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? Well, cheers, man. Happy yes, birthday. Cheers. Thank you. Love you, bud. Appreciate you. And I'll end it as I do every other episode and say have a nice day.